cool. Well, uh, thank you for talking to me. I appreciate it. Um, we'll get started. Uh, when did you know that music was going to be a part of your life? Um, my dad was a Tejano musician um, back in the day. Um, nobody that you would know, but he just played with a lot of different bands, singer, um, guitar player, and he basically just kind of put it into us at a very young age. Um, so yeah, I think from that, like from all the forced like backyard parties, like karaoke and stuff, um, up until up until like him just like buying us like a bunch of guitars and just always having musical stuff like at the house, like I don't know, it was raining us at a very very young age. So that's awesome. Were you going to like his shows uh, back then? Yeah, yeah. There was like no, you know, like let's um, none of this like oh let's let's uh, let's shelter our kids away from this. Like no man, like every every freaking pachanga like we were always there and <laughs> that was, that's... we were normal it was, we were used to the gig the gig life for sure that, that's awesome what uh so you said there's a bunch of guitars like did um did they kind of have like an idea like oh you're gonna play bass or you're gonna play guitar or are you just like um so whatever <laughs> there's this little uh music store off of uh like military and pleasant and uh called bj's music i don't know mm-hmm. if they're still there i've been there uh, <laughs> oh, yeah I don't know if they're there either, though. Oh, I said, are you from the south side? Oh, you- no, I'm from the west side. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> like, I'm embracing my west side culture like, now that we've, like, moved to the west side, so. <laughs> Hell, yeah. I'm, like, Las Palmas area. Or, oh. well, now I'm by Woodlawn, but I grew up in Las Palmas. Ah, okay, BJ's music. Um, My brother and my dad used to go there all the time. And then one day when I was about 13 or 14 years old, um, they said, hey, we're going to buy you a bass. And I was like, why? Everybody has guitars. And they're like, nah, but we're going to give you a bass. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so we went and I remember really wanting like this glittery, like blue aqua like bass. And I was like, oh, let's get this one. Look, it's on sale, dad. You know, and my brother was like, no, we're not going to do that. And I was like, what? It's like, it's like, it's like I, that's what the one I want. Are we here to get me a bass or you a bass? And he's like, no. And he pulls out this like fire burst you know what I mean? Like, um, like looking like badass, like rock and roll looking bass or whatever. And he's like, this is the one you're going to play. It had jazz pickups on it. So like, there was no like tension on it, but it was like, this is what you're playing. And I was just like, he's like, trust me, sir. Trust me. Trust me. This is going to be cool. And I was like, okay, I guess so. I got like left all disappointed. And I'm like, I don't want to learn how to play this. I wanted the sparkly one, like super mad. And, um, his, I guess my senior year of high school, um, our bass player in the jazz band moved to California and um, the jazz director who my brother had been in the jazz band, I guess, two years ahead of me. Um, he came up to me and he was like, Hey Sarah, like, I'm going to need you to bring, I was, I'm going to just start playing bass is what he said. And I was like, Oh, I was like, I don't play bass. Like I play French horn. Like I don't, he was like, I, I, I know very well that your brother bought you a bass like two or three years ago, bring it to school tomorrow. And so, um, so yeah, so I brought it to school and he put me in the jazz band. I learned bass club in like two weeks and then like the rest is history. I just, I, I loved it. And I remember like telling him, like he gave me, they have like this jazz award that they give every year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with this guy named Daniel Miller. Um, I've heard that name and I might've been from like Leo or Hugo or something. He's like a local um, guitarist and he also went to East Central uh, High School and went through the jazz program. And anyways, like they give a jazz award. It's like a Louis Armstrong award to every like senior. And I'd only been in jazz band for one year and he gave it to me. And I was just like, why did you give me this jazz award? 
And he's just like, Sarah, I'll tell you very clearly that all these, he specifically said all these little assholes, right? <laughs> they, 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 they're really, really talented, but they, they don't appreciate the music. He goes, every time I look up at you, you're smiling, you're happy. You could be like missing all these notes. Cause like I said, I had just picked a bass, like, and they just threw me in jazz band. Um, he's like, but you appreciate it and you love it. He's like, just promise me that you'll keep doing it in college. Um, so, so I did. And, um, that was just like, that was like history, you know, just doing it for like the rest of, of time. And, and, um, I don't know. Yeah. So that helped that, that, that launched me on the base, um, I guess, career, whereas my dad kind of just had already instilled that love. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great story. Like that, that's so cool that you just picked it up that way. Um, whenever you were like in school and practicing, were you practicing like along to like by reading music or were you like learning tabs or like how were you practicing um, it was when you first started? yeah because like in any jazz band like they'll give you sheet music and you have to like all the notes um so being able to do that and then like continuing it at Baylor um it was just like you know what where I got like the feel for all the different music styles you know, because in jazz, they're going to give you everything from like Latin to funk to swing and like shuffle beats and like whatever, right? Blues and stuff. But it's like, well, how do I know? How do I learn how to do like a walking bass line? You know, it's like, well, I read music for four years in college, college level music. So like you kind of pick stuff up like that, like your fingers get trained, you know, and then you just carry that into like, OK, we're going to put together like a small combo group. You're like, OK, you know, like that but it was from reading music um now I don't do too much music reading um uh, there's a there's a couple projects that I do that we do have music and I do it just to keep my like sight reading skills up and stuff but yeah that's awesome what's your favorite style of uh like genre to play if we're talking like technically um I like latin jazz latin jazz is the funnest like bass lines and it just goes crazy, right? It's like very like, I don't know, it's whatever you get, like it, it gets people to dance, you know? And then if I'm dancing too, then that's really fun. Um, but that would be an unfair thing to say, like of all the stuff that I'm doing currently, what's my favorite? That's like kind of a question. I don't think I have a favorite. That's really <laughs> For sure. Um, when, when did you want to like uh, start or join like a local band or, or create a band? <laughs> um, so, so, so my high school years, that was back in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how long I've been playing. So um, I would say the first actual band band that we put together was um, after college. So after like my Baylor jazz years, I moved to Austin with my brother and we put together a band called the Southeast Players. And that was just like, oh my God, you went to Baylor for four years and played in the jazz band. Now I have this like sister, like awesome jazz bass player. We need to put a band together. This is out of necessity. Uh, and so we called it the Southeast side players, Southeast players, Southeast players, because we all lived on. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I don't know, we're like, we're like on Spotify and stuff, but that band lasted maybe about two or three years. Um, I eventually moved back to San Antonio and it was more like a Texas soul band. So our lead singer was kind of like this country folky singer from Dallas, uh, Fort Worth area. Um, and then like, you know, my brother just is like this rocking shreddy guitar guy. Um, and then me on like, you know, country, blues, jazz, bass mix. And then we had like a punk rock drummer. So it was just, it was just like, it was this band. It was like, it sounded really cool for the time. You know, like, like we really liked the music that we were building, but it, it's, it seemed like it was too pre its time. 
you know, I feel like if we come up with a band now, it would make a lot more sense, which is like the climate because that happens, right? Like you'll have a band and you're just like, oh, like what music is this? Like if the Alabama Shakes had come out in the 80s, like nobody would have liked them. They're like, oh, what is this? You know what I mean? But like now they came out and it came out like this perfect time. And sometimes that just happens. And I'm not comparing us to the Alabama Shakes. Uh, but, but, you know, just like that, that idea of like, you know, we were just, I felt like we were before our time, you know, we had a full like horn section too. Um, one of the players that uh, played trumpet with us, Iram Reyes now is like head of extra Montica, like in Austin. Um, and so we did a bunch of crazy gigs together and stuff, but that was just like a band that we put together that like, I don't know, we didn't have any money. We actually recorded once and we put an album out and then I moved back to San Antonio and the band kind of broke up and that was about it. So yeah, that was the first. <laughs> and that's available on Spotify to listen to. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to it. Um, when, <laughs> so when you moved back to San Antonio, like how'd you get involved uh, in the music scene here? Oh um, well, you ever heard of a place called Salutes? Are you old enough to remember? Uh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> it's this old Mexican bar off of uh, St. Mary's. Um, that's where the, the world renowned, um, uh, Steve Rorden used to play, Seban Jordan. Uh, he was like that one-eyed, uh, accordion player. If you, uh, ever, you ever heard of him? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. One of my friends is really big into accordion. Uh, may, maybe, maybe if I saw a picture, but the name doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. That's kind of where he ended up playing, like at the like end of his like life. Um, he got, he got like really sick or whatever. And th- th- those were the gigs that he played. Um, so I used to go over there and, and watch them because the bartender, the owner of the place was this lady named Asneth Dominguez. And for like a single 23, 24 year old woman, right. Like recently, like moving to San Antonio, um, you know, it was nice to be there with her because she kind of like, watch out for me. You know what I mean? So she would be like, and she would like open a Dos Equis, put it on the bar. And she's like, you know, send it aquí, right? And so someone would come up like a dude and be like, hey lady. And he's like, she's like, he, she doesn't want to talk to you. Get out of here. You know, and I'd be like, awesome. I could just literally sit here and get completely wasted the whole night. <laughs> like this lady's just going to look out for me, you know? And so like, I feel like I still do that. Like, I don't like going to a bunch of bar hopping and like clubs and stuff like that. There's never been a clubber, um, but I'll just go somewhere where like, I know everybody. And, you know, it's just easier to be a woman in that position if you have people like that know you and like are watching out for you. But um, Salutas was like the first place I started uh, going to um, a lot because of his nest. But and Esteban Jordan, of course. Um, but then, like, different, like, when, after he passed away, like, different bands started coming in. And I got asked to play with this band called Royal Punisher um, that was kind of big around 2010. Um, Phil Luna, uh, who's like a, like a pretty well known booking agent in San Antonio, um, he asked me to fill in for him on bass. And um, I went. And at the time, uh, Corey Cook was playing drums for them. I don't know if you know Corey Cook. He's the, the uh, he's a drummer and he's also the, the manager over at Care to You, um, the jazz station in town. So 91.7. Um, go listen to it uh, <laughs> if you haven't. But um, but yeah, so Corey was in that band. And I think uh, Eddie Vasquez too was playing saxophone for them. Um, and I went to go, I went to go play with them and they were just like, and it was absolute that's where the gig was, you know. And so um from there, people heard. Um, that I was playing. I ended up getting picked up by Los Navalatos uh, through Salutes. Um, they also needed like a replacement bass player like at the last minute. So I learned their set and it didn't even matter because they just play like their discography is like 40 or 80 tunes. Those guys can play for like three or four hours and just keep playing and keep playing. So whenever I got to play with them for the first time, it's just like, you know, okay, this next one's in G, you know, or they're just like, it's in C. And I'm like, okay, like, 
let's go, let's do it, like whatever, you know. Um, so Los Nahuatlatos are big. Uh, there's a band called Los Desta Noche in town mm -hmm. too. Uh, they also used to play at Salutas, and so I would sub for their bass player as well. Um, so like I just ended up being this like last minute bass player for like all these bands and people would be like, oh, I need a bass player, I'll call Sarah Rocha. And so it's like someone else would like call me and be like, hey, you don't know me, but you know, can you come and play bass for us? And I was like, okay. So I ended up being this little underground last minute bass player. Um, yeah, that's how I got. That's how I got started, I guess. That's awesome. How how did uh you put together Radio Theater? Oh, okay. So <laughs> I kind of like a music hiatus. I started pharmacy school in 2016, and um, I went like two or three years like without just playing anywhere. And um, Los Nahuatlatos called me. <laughs> hey, Sarah, our bass player is not available for this gig. Can you come and play with us? And I was like, sure. Like I remember y'all set from ten years ago. Like no problem. <laughs> And so I went and played and ended up being like a double feature. Like we we're supposed to play at big hops in the evening. And that was going to be the only gig. But then they're like, Hey, there's this, like, um, there's this, uh, art San Antonio arts, like block party, you know, can we also do that? And I'm like, I guess so. So, um, uh, so we did those two gigs that same night. Um, and then the, uh, the Conguero, um, and like hype man, Arturo bars, and guitar player Luis uh, Gonzalez ended up like uh, they had the Radio Tierra like brainchild, you know, like in mind, but they were looking for a bass player. And so after I came in and played with them, um, I guess like back in the day when I played with Nolanthos, they weren't in the band. So they've gone through like a lot of different variations of the band um, with like the leads being Nicolas Valdez and Joaquin Muerte. Um, but uh, I guess they had this Radio Tierra thing going, you know, where where Arturo Bars was going to be like the um, like the MC, the rapper, and then we're going to throw this just crazy mix of music behind it. And they heard me play that one time, and they were like, "We love you, you know, like we're not going to do this band unless you come and play with us." So I went and checked it out, and I was just like, "Okay, these kids, like I don't know what they got or whatever." And I went, and um, you know, uh, Pablo Rodriguez on drums, you know, and it just like meshed crazy crazy good i'm like what is this i don't know what it is but this kid is rapping this uh this other guy's got these amazing guitar like solos or whatever this like puerto rican drummer is just like just killing my like just everything right now like i didn't even know like that people could play like this and then just finding my like little like ins or whatever into that and and then like i guess i had just i had just met um ariel through this girl named Sophie Lopez, who's a, who's a female guitarist here in town too. And we did like an open mic at Hondro's and um, we started talking about Erica Badu and Amelda Rowe and uh, like all this music. And she was just like, Oh my God, I love female musicians. And I told her, I was like, you know what? I'm just starting this little like hip hop thing with these guys. And I don't really know if they know what they're doing yet or what's going on, but I feel like you would be like a really good fit. I was like, if I come and call you, will you be available to come? And she was just like, yeah, that would be cool. Like, I'll do it for you. Like, okay. So then like, I finally get like, after like two rehearsals, two or three rehearsals with Radio Tierra and like a, a, like a, a quick show at like Imagine uh, Books was like our first like show together. Um, I finally called her. I was like, okay, these guys are real. Like they're down or whatever. I called her in and man, like that was like, that was it. Like, you know, we had all the elements in like, you know, like so the guitar, the MC, the rapping, the all the like percussion stuff, the rhythm section was like solid. And then this beautiful, just like aerial vocal, like on top of it. And, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so Human Music is the album that you all put together. It is. It is. Which we haven't actually got to perform like very much at all because it all just kind of like released 
I want to say November, December, right before COVID happened. And so we were kind of lined up to do all these different shows. Um, South by Southwest was that week, which obviously all got canceled. Um, I had been talking to like the Soul Rebels, which is this brass band out of uh, New Orleans. They were going to come and do a show here at the Carver Center on the east side. And I'd reach out to them. We were going to like open up for them. Um, but you know, they're out of New Orleans and stuff too. So they were like, dude, do you think you could come and do gigs in Houston with us? Like, you know, do y'all charge a lot? I'm like, no, just pay your gas money. Like, we're like, yeah, we just like, oh my God, the Soul Rebels. Like, they're huge. Like, just look them up. They're really good. If you <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man, stuff was really moving for us. And then like COVID just hit and we actually haven't even like advertised the album very much at all. Um, so it's something that, you know, we're like, we're slowly ready. Like we already have album two and the and like the works but like we haven't like we're just waiting we're waiting for this perfect moment because we know it's all going to melt together and everyone's just gonna like i don't know it's gonna be this beautiful like musical chemistry thing uh it's definitely one of the bands that's like that's like my baby band you know what i mean i play in a lot of different in a lot of different groups and i do a lot of different musical stuff around town but that's the one where i feel like it's like all these like monsters of their own like craft come together and just form this whole like psychedelic hip-hop blues like what is that <laughs> is but it's us you know what I mean and, and I love it because it's got everything in it and it's so like I don't know it's like so San Antonio fusion flavored anyway too right because you know some of us are Latinos and you got the musical flair you've got the cumbia flair you've got the cultural thing you've got just I don't know our blues or jazz influence everything's just in there our R&B influences oh my gosh like <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, it's super well said. Like, you can hear literally everything you just mentioned and, and just, like, that album. It, and, and just maybe even, like, some songs that just have multiple different meshes of genres. Like, how, how do you guys come up with writing, like, the music for that? Um, well, definitely all the lyrics. Um, I got to give credit to Arturo Bars. He is, like, the genius behind that. They were all, like, his collection of works that he had had over... I don't know, his lifetime of writing, you know, and it was really a set that he had been waiting, I think, for the proper people to like come and back him up to be able to like put it out there. Um, so between him and Luis, they kind of already had their structure down, you know, mm -hmm. so when I came in, like that was already like, they had the songs already, you know, which is why we were in such a rush to like record it so we could start like our second like album. <laughs> so it's like, okay, <laughs> this group is amazing. Um, you know, we need to get these songs that they already had down and that's what that's what human music is um but of course i think like if you were to talk to to art or um or louise or whatever they would say that was like it surpassed whatever it was they thought that they had like in their minds of what the music would be because of the different elements and like i said the, the crazy percussionist of like follow and you know like my bass stuff and then just ariel's beautiful vocals like none of that stuff that they envision would like you know come into fruition and then it just did and I think it was just, I mean, it's all evident on the, on the album. It's really good. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Album is, is great. Um, how, like, how do you come up with baselines? Like what's your kind of idea when writing? Like drink wine and start playing. <laughs> oh <Hell> yeah. <laughs> now, um, yes, yeah, man, it's I'm talking about 17 years of base experience that all just kind of like flowed out. Um, I think for me, especially when I'm like, I'm like hosting that jazz jam um, over at the Dakota on Thursday nights. Um, that's the chance to like, they're just throwing everything at you. Right. So you get to play off of everybody. And I've been told by a lot of people that I'm one of those bass players that really plays in the pocket, you know, like I'll have this like old drunk dude that'll just come up to me after show and be like, pocket, you the pocket man, solid, you know, and they're 
oh, it's so good. And like, it's like the one person that was paying attention, you know, and I'm like, okay, it's cool. <laughs> but, um, but no, like, um, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a horrible musician and that I don't really come up with anything good, like nothing novel. You know what I mean? Like I'm very much like I react to people like a little chameleon. Right. So if we're doing this, then I'm going to like shout back at you, you know, and if you're doing that, then I'll shout back at you and I'll, I'll see where I fit in. You know what I mean? But I need to have really good, like brilliant musicians around me, like at all times in order for like my stuff to like get elevated. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's just, that's what it is. Like that's the, one of the biggest things I learned with playing jazz is like in college, they make you play with all these different combo groups, you know, and they force you to like, okay, you're going to put a combo group with these people and these people. But because I played bass and like bass is such a limited instrument, like there weren't a lot of bass players. I'd end up playing with the, like the graduate combo group. And those guys were freaking like way past anything that I had been doing. But then, you know, at some point I'm like blacking out and doing the solo and they're just like, Sarah, do you realize how many songs you just like quoted in your one solo? And I'm like, no, I don't know what I did. I don't, I don't know how to, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, not a real musician guys, you know, but you end up like rising to their level. You know what I mean? Anytime like I, I get asked to play with the faculty band, stuff like that. And these guys have been playing for 30, 40 years, you know, and you rise to that level. You know what I mean? So like, that's just really, I end up, I end up feeding off so much from the other people that are like in front of me, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's how you make a good soup, right? You got good ingredients and you just start adding stuff in it. You know, and you're like, oh, taste a little bit. Good. What would be good? Some lemon, you know? And so like, I'm, I'm the soup maker. I'm the one just sitting there, like, you know, trying to taste a little bit better. And like, oh, let's put some little tortilla chips on top. And like, oh, what about some cheese? Like, Dang. So, yeah, that's, no. yeah, that's a really good way to word it. The soup maker. Um, <laughs> so what kind of gear are you using now? Oh, um, I've never bought my own stuff. So I'm not the kind of person like, dude, I got this sweet pedal and this awesome rig with like a such and such blah, blah, blah. And then I have this five string, like Ibanez, like, <laughs> well, like, no, just don't even like, I even end up, like I told you, like the first time I got a bass, my brother picked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the second bass I had, like my brother bought from his old Tejano uh, band, um, like bass player for like, uh, Henry Macias, shout out. Um, and I played on his five string Yamaha for like ages, you know, and like, what do I know about five strings? I don't know, but I learned how to yeah. use it because I had, you know? and then once the knobs all started coming off of that, the dance, you know, like my dad was like, we need to get you a new bass, Miha. And I'm like, okay, I guess. Like, you don't have to buy me stuff gold now. And he's like, no, 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 let's take you to Sam Ann. And um, I got a, got like a Thunderbird. Same thing with the Fireburst or his nap. <laughs> after like playing with the fireburst like bass for so long and people are just like dude your bass is so awesome and i'm like i understand my brother <laughs> the girly one you know and i got grown affinity for it um but i used to i used to gig with a heart key amp and a heart band a pretty good uh, amp and they're like but the one i had was like really really big and there i am like dragging the heart key amp on a dolly and then my like three-quarter size upright down like the, the streets of downtown to go play like soho or like swig martini bar that used to be around it's not around anymore um you know in heels because it's downtown so you got to go dress nice like oh my gosh um but i i worked the shit out of that amp until there was no amp left um and so i i got the same amp but like smaller now so it has just as much juice and harky came out with like a better smaller version of it so you know i'll just find someone to be like can you carry my tiny amp Okay, my bass guitar um but yeah yeah so just just a, a good harky combo like it's all in one right um 
amp and it has like the little aux out too so i can hook up with the sound system and everything and and um and then my little thunderbird bass that's what i have right now awesome uh when did you start like learning double bass that was that was at baylor those because i did nothing but electric during high school and then i i auditioned oh so that was the end of that story the reason why um morgan lee's the band instructor gave me the jazz award right he gave me that whole spiel about how no one appreciates the music he goes uh, if you want to thank me though just promise me that you'll um you'll audition when you go to college and i was like dude there's no way i'm going to be able to compete mm-hmm. with college people like my brother had tried to audition for the ut jazz band and they were like in austin or whatever and like they they turned him down flat and he was all state for guitar you know and like so if he didn't make it like like, how am I going to make bass? Like, I've only been playing for a year. Um, but luckily, I went to Baylor. Uh, they had no bass players. So the jazz instructor was like, eh, okay, we'll let you in. <laughs> and then, like, you know, day one, they're like, do you play upright? And I was like, no. And they're like, you do now. Teach yourself. So they gave me, like, the oldest bass on the planet. This thing was, like, it was, like, this really dark, gritty brown color. It had all these dents in it. The strings hadn't been changed in, like, 10 years. The action was so high. So I had these hard, like, ridiculous strings with super high action. Like, later I found out that you could lower the action. You wouldn't stress yourself out so much. But now it even had, like, little, like, an adjustable bridge. No, I freaking learned how to play on that. And I was playing it like an electric. You know what I mean? I'm not like this, but, like, you know, just trying, like, my best to just, like, follow the notes and read the music. And I mean, it's like, here's an upright bass from 1950 and here's all this sheet music, sight read, get in there, do it. You know, so like you can imagine the, I've had every single one of these yeah. fingers completely blistered, bleeding, you know what I mean? Um, I remember doing like these, uh, these really terrible um, frat parties and they would have like a banquet, you know, and they wanted a jazz band. And, you know, we play like our standards and stuff and people are like, okay, while well, they're eating and everything, but then they want to dance. So it's like, it never fails. Some asshole always calls chameleon, which is like this jazz funk tune. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, like, and then there we go playing it for like 10 or 12 minutes because everyone's dancing. So you can't stop. So it's like, at that point, the blisters have already busted. Okay. And it's like, I'm still playing on this thing. And now like the blood is just coming out, like running down the bass, but everyone's dancing, having a good time. And you can't stop playing the bass part. Cause like the, the whole song gets ruined. So yeah, yeah. no fear left on any of these really good tortilla flippers (laughs) (laughs) but I learned the hardest way which makes it super easy to play any bass that anybody hands me because there's just after you play it on like iron strings like that (laughs) yeah yeah that that's crazy too the crazy crazy starts to double bass and to regular bass um chameleon like we'll we'll pull that out too if we need a to kill like 10 minutes yeah it's everyone easy. just gets a solo <laughs> super easy to solo over what do you play i play bass uh, well. yeah yeah I, I have a mexican like fender jazz bass that i mainly use for like young costello what does fender bass mean uh it's just made in mexico like people some people are all about like oh, i want the american fender whatever like it's it's the same okay. thing <laughs> say that that makes me think like it's like the the flag of mexico is painted on oh, it or something no, that'd be tight <laughs> no. it's really, you know that's good <laughs> no it's made in mexico but it'd be cool if i had a mexican like flag on my base um yeah <laughs> I can, um, 
like pop it up. Viva Mexico. Oh yeah, in the back. That'd be cool. Uh what what are your plans for 2021? Oh man. Um I, I mentioned I'm in pharmacy school. Uh so about three months away. So the, the benefit of like COVID happening is that like, yeah, a lot of the gigs got stunted, but I was able to focus in school and I'm three months away from graduation. It'll be a pharmacist, uh, hopefully by June. Um, right now I'm currently working with uh, Bear Brass. Um, I've, I've been their bass player for about a year already too. And they're amazing. And that's like one of my projects where they give you sheet music to read. So, um, so that keeps me on my toes. And these guys are geniuses they like compose all their own stuff they arrange their own stuff um and uh and yeah it's a lot of like video gamey kind of like just just fun you know like their version of war pigs like brass band war pigs is insane um i was but but i had to get like a sub right because i'm doing like school right now so we're teaching francis strombo the set and i show them like their version of uh no doubt they do the the what is it the um don't speak mm-hmm. It, and they have it all written out but it's all like a register down because they had it written out for tuba and so it's like ding, 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 ding. and Francis just said, how are you reading this and I'm like dude get your sight reading chops up like, so that's what bear brass is and we're just getting ready for summer right because that's what I told them Need a couple months to finish and as soon as I start working like my evenings and weekends will probably be a lot freer and we can just start gigging so everything everyone's getting ready for this this vaccine to get into everything one, um for the venues to open back up so we want to do it like safely like i said i'm a, I'm a health professional so <laughs> you know we're not trying to like put anybody at risk or anything um we're always like always very conscious of that um but just starting gigging um like i said i have that thursday night jazz jam um that we're going to continue um and uh if we start to be able to go inside of the dakota now um mm-hmm. kind of like opening up everything and the vaccines and stuff then we'll probably go a little bit later which we get a much better crowd too and like they stay open yeah. until at least night um so we'll probably change the hours i think uh, i haven't talked to anybody about that but it'll probably happen. <laughs> um and then like i said uh we're waiting for the radio tierra meltiness to happen for album two uh so that's coming um during the pandemic though we also um started a podcast the trigger words podcast mm-hmm. uh, work on that with uh with arturo bars and uh, felipe regas uh, also from los Navalatos, also from felipe jr he just released an album hopeless um so we're starting up season two and that's a lot of like, that's the podcast, uh, kind of like a podcast where we're interviewing musicians. Um, but we also like write songs with the musical guests. Oh. Um, uh, so that's like embedded into the, into the, um, the podcast and we're about to release uh, like, so, so it's like before you had to listen to the whole podcast in order to get this, but we're like, like we've added them and like mixing done a little bit more like mixing and mastering. So we're going to release it on one album. So trigger words podcast, the band is going to like release the album of all the songs that we put together um, over season one. It's like eight tunes, uh, eight episodes. And so we're starting season two now and uh, we already have a new song that we're writing. And like I said, those will eventually get released in one whole album at the end of season two. Uh, so that's a lot because I shoot it and I edit it. And uh, we do the song and then we also do a skit. So we've like really taken advantage of the whole studio uh, stuff. Um, but, um, but yeah, a lot of the stuff we're going to be doing like on location and you know, lighting's always fun and no one ever wants to give you enough time to like set up the lighting, but it's super important because you want everything to look good as well as it sounds good, you know? Um, but yeah, so we've got the podcast going. Um, I have a little project. So I'm doing girls night tonight. And I have this very special person that I met um, who is also um, 
I want to say an ex-retired musician as well. And so I might be putting together a little girl group combo kind of thing, um, like jazz, maybe some R&B, um, just something fun, something that, you know, we're just going to be working on at home, but maybe eventually we'll, we'll sprout out and just be like, what? Bass and trumpet <laughs> or bass clarinet and singing what's going on you know and just supporting that whole girlfriend uh stuff um but yeah man just keeping busy I don't know on top of my pharmacy career yeah. on top of um we started like a nonprofit organization too right before the COVID pandemic so Musicians Alliance of San Antonio MASA um and Right now, we're currently trying to get a census to see if we can, um, we're starting like a healthcare initiative. So we want to get health insurance for full-time musicians and like disc jockeys and stuff. But um, it's really hard to get people to respond to stuff. So, <laughs> so we need to build a census to try to get people like hooked up with health insurance. But we, it's a multi-platform, uh, multi-initiative kind of like platform that we have for the nonprofit. But it's really like to see what we can do the most to help out musicians in San Antonio. Uh, if there's anything that playing in this town the last 10 or 15 years has like showed me is just that there's a lot of us out there that give years of like dedication and time and we don't always get paid very much you know we do it because we love it we do it because we have these friends and we want to make music with them and that's that's what we're in it for but we're also giving a lot of ourselves to the like music and cultural community in San Antonio and we get very little in return you know so if we could have an organization that's you know just gonna fight for our, our, our needs right whether it's financial assistance you know how do you help me prepare for retirement when I'm making a hundred dollars a week you know what I mean? Stuff like that. You know, if we can have like grant programs to encourage musicians to go out to like underserved uh, schools and give free lessons, you know, like I know all those Churchill kids always had all the best like lessons and stuff. And they'd go to like region band tryout and stuff and everything. But we didn't have it like went to Central, you know, like Highlands kids. Like it was like it was if your parents weren't going to pay, you know, 50 bucks for a lesson, which who had the money for that back then? Like you weren't going to get lessons, you know. And so you basically just had to like trust yourself and as much as you could bug your band director, you know what I mean, to, to get you trained up for stuff like that. So it'd be great to be able to offer free lessons to the students, um, West Side, East Side, South Side. Um, and then also uh, just music preservation is like the other thing that we're really interested in. So, you know, we had the passing of like Jim Cullum, um, you know, all these jazzers, they come and they go. And if I'm going to Trinity University and I want to do my master's degree thesis on, um, I don't know, just uh, San Antonio music, you know, or something like that, um, you know, I should be able to go to the library and find like catalogs of like all these great San Antonio musicians, you know, from conjunto to, to jazz to like just basically everything, you know, and they, we should have like stuff like either interviews of them or just them and their music, you know, some of them came out with one or two albums, but they didn't have enough money to produce more, you know, and if like Masa could do something like that and just offer them an opportunity to record as much as we can from them before we lose them, you know, and then just give them to like, just give it to Trinity University and be like, here, leave this in your library. You know, we had these cool people come in and we put together this really crazy jam and we recorded it. And here you go, you know, and we pay for all that. Kind of stuff. So that's the stuff that's like to come. That is definitely, and that's all 2021, just this year <laughs> that I have planned. Yeah, that's super exciting. Like, well, first, like, thank you for doing it for the music community because that's going to be super important um, for sure. How can uh anyone just find out more information about masa page so it's just masa, <laughs> masa. <laughs> musicians license san antonio uh there's a google like drive link there um there's not much like i said uh we can't really get a website and can't really get like everything like rolling until i get more community involvement 
you know, I really feel like people that, you know, they can approach me. I'm on Instagram, Sarah R. Rocha at Instagram. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just shoot me a message. And if you have any, any skills, you know, from stuff like filing taxes or, um, you know, if you know any like legal people, if you know, if you just want to volunteer and help us collect um, emails and names right now, the biggest thing is just to get a census of, and like, like in, in order to get benefits for any select group of people in San Antonio, whether it be like, you know, teenage uh, girls, you know, that are pregnant or like whatever it is, like we have to be able to go to an organization and say, this is how many people are interested. We did a census. We have 200 people for sure that are going to benefit from putting like this together. And they're like, wow, we didn't know there was a need for that. And I'm like, yeah, well, nobody is here to talk for musicians. Right. So we would foster that and then be able to convince like the government and like different, like federally funded um, health organizations to be able to offer that kind of health insurance stuff. Um, so really anybody with any skills, anybody with any time, I'm a very busy lady, um, but, but coming and like, it takes a whole, it's going to take a whole village to get this, uh, this organization up and going. Like I said, we had a little hiatus because of the COVID stuff, but I've already been um, approached by the musicians union of San Antonio, which a lot of people may not know there's a musicians union. They exist. Um, but uh, they're just like, Oh my God, we've been waiting for somebody, you know, some young people to come around and start moving and start doing stuff. He's like, because we don't do anything. And we know that there's a lot, to be done um but as long as there's these people motivated and want to help out like absolutely like i'm not going to turn away anybody um because right now it's like if, if san antonio like the, the approach that i've taken is like if san antonio wants the nonprofit, right then we're gonna get it and if there's not enough people interested enough people that don't then i'll probably fail you know and that's okay because then we'll just reorganize and come up with something new like later you know but um but yeah, there's just a big love and a big, you know, heart that I have for musicians, um, especially the older ones, man, because those, those are the good ones. You know, there's all these young squires or whatever, like rolling around, but you, you can't really, and you can learn a little bit from them. You know, every once in a while, I see like this little unicorn come by and I'm like, oh, damn, dude, what you got? But uh, it's definitely the older, like I just played a gig with uh, Polly Harris um, last Friday at the On the Band, the Oyster Bar. And I hadn't seen Polly in ages. I wasn't even sure if like the older musicians were coming out to perform because they were like COVID scared. You know, a lot of them don't have health insurance. If they get sick, like there's no way they're going to be able to pay for that hospital like bill, you know, but she was there, man, doing her thing. And I'm just like, oh my God, like I forgot how amazing this woman is. Um, Aaron Walker on drums too. He used to play with like the Chris Cuevas project. Um, I used to play gig with them very, very heavily back when I just started in the jazz scene when I was a little girl, just like 24 years old. And so a super old friend of mine hadn't seen him in years, got to play with him. And it's the older jazzers in town, man, that really like, and just the older musicians in town that we really need to help out and like help them like get into retirement age, you know what I mean? Help them retire, help them enjoy their golden years. You know, they shouldn't be, I don't know, scra scraping for, you know what I mean? Like for whatever, for gas money and stuff like that, when they've given so much of themselves, like a whole lifetime of their music to a beautiful city where we can, we can support them just as much as Austin supports their musicians, you know, but we just have to organize. We have to be smart about it. And we have to ask, you know, because at the end of the day, like if you don't ask like for help, like you're probably not going to get it. So yeah. for sure. Man, well, that was awesome. Uh, again, super stoked. Uh, I'm stoked for that. Um, and just where can people listen to you, uh, like online? Where can they find your music? Um, Spotify, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, everywhere, every local. <laughs> platform. 
Um, yeah, we've got Southeast players we covered, right? Uh, Radio Tierra, of course. Um, please follow Arturo Bars and Felipe Jr. Those are my homies. Uh, Silencio is what Luis Gonzalez goes by. Um, always, you know, uh, a lot of love to Los Navalatos. Um, you know, um, Young Costello, of course, right? Because we have Phil. Phil's, uh, Phil and Leo, right? They're both uh, in Young Costello and Bear Brass. Yeah. So, amazing talents um i can't wait for look out for bear bras i can't wait for them to record i'm going to be pushing them to get in the studio their stuff is crazy and wild as uh, kids are super super talented um yeah just everywhere anywhere i don't know i'm in san antonio if you go outside <laughs> and listen to music you're probably going to find me at some point if you stay inside i can't help you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so come around, go outside come to the jam you know, because you'll find everybody there. Everyone's at the jam on Thursday nights at the Dakota. Um, and it's outdoors. So, you know, everyone's super safe. There's always a nice fire and the beer and the wine is always good. And they have lots of food. That's a family place. So if you're a young person listening to this and let's say you're not 21 yet and you want to get your feet wet and just go out there and play with some other jazz musicians, uh, a place that's super welcoming. You know, come out to the jam. You can come. You can bring your parents. You can leave them at home. They can drop you off. Uh, you know, uh, they will ID you, so you're not going to get away with anything. But you can bring your horn or your uh, instrument and come and get your chops. But because that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to motivate and mentor to the younger generations. You know, people definitely took me under their wing with what is it the um, the uh, the almost pharmacy jam that they had back in the day. Um, they had a, a bone shaker jam back in the day. That's how I met all the jazzers, you know. And so you have to, if you want to get to know um, your musicians in San Antonio, that's why we foster the jazz jam, and that's why we have it there, so people can network, so people can talk to each other, so people can like you come and someone sees you, and then they're like, "Hey, can I get your like your your information?" And then like next week they're like, "I need you for a show. Can you come and play?" And that's how we network. That's how we do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I would motivate people to come out to the jam. Online is cool, but come out to the jam. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, thank you again so much for for just talking to me. Uh, it was super informative. I'm super stoked for what you've got going on this year. Um, and yeah, just again, thank you so much. And I just hope you have a good night. You too, man. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye.